Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills, where we delve into the lessons from life in the lockdown, from those who are living it, learning from it, and leading organizations through it. My guest today has a global call to action. The businesses recognize the potential for the 1.3 billion people living with a disability today. She's Dr. Caroline Casey, the campaigner and founder of The Valuable 500, a campaign to kickstart an inclusion revolution to position disability on the global business leadership agenda. And guess what? Her nickname is The Dangerous Dreamer. And we're going to find out whether it's a PhD in dreaming or whether we've just met Dr. Dangerous. Caroline, welcome to The Changemakers. Pleasure to have you on the show. Is it Dr. Dangerous or is it The Dreamer? I think it's just the troublemaker, actually. What a great intro. Dr. Dangerous, I like that. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm, listen, when you've committed to globally transforming the business system to include 1.3 billion people with disabilities, I think they'd say I'm a dangerous dreamer, which is somebody who has a dream who gets stuff done. I think that's the best way. Get stuff done. Now, tell us about what it is you want to get stuff done with, because obviously yours <laughs> is a campaign about global disability. Give us the pitch. Well, actually, we've moved from campaign um, since COVID. Who knew that COVID is the greatest opportunity for the work we do? So the Valuable 500 essentially is the global CEO movement or global CEO community revolutionizing disability inclusion through leadership and opportunity. Now, essentially, what that is, is to get a critical mass of CEOs who are going to operationalize, normalize, and integrate disability inclusion into their business so they can make a huge opportunity for their business, but also be part of eradicating the disability inequality crisis. It's very mm -hmm. simple. It's looking at this community of people as a source of innovation, talent, brand differentiation, market worth eight trillion. And as far as we're concerned, we started with this global campaign to get 500 of the world's most influential brands and their CEOs to lead it. And to make this point that, you know, leaders make choices, choices create cultures. But now since COVID, we've got a second chance, not mm. only to get these leaders to do it as leaders, but to really transform this business system. So break that down for us in terms of the what happens next. Because I suppose COVID has meant that we're all working differently. We're all having to think differently about the way we interact with each other. In terms of how it's affecting the work you're doing, you're making a positive case there. Give us a sense of why. Well, listen, I think a lot of people before, when you have the word disability in business, it kind of slips into their mind. It's maybe about charity or more of the old CSR idea or you know, it's discretionary. Disability is always on being the sidelines of business and the sidelines of the diversity and inclusion agenda. Now, no, no. Because let's think about this for a second. We're all working from home. Um, we're all having to, to be remote workers. And this is how a lot of people with disabilities have been working for decades. Mm. And business have said before, oh no, it's too expensive to accommodate people with disabilities who have mobility issues. And now look, look what's just happened. The system, it proved it can adapt and change, and we're calling it agile and flexible. So the first thing that business has proved, it can change things if it wants to, it sees the opportunity. The second thing for me that I find exceptionally exciting is a lot of the solutions that we're gonna have to design into our buildings, our businesses, into our products and services as we move forward. The intelligence for that innovation is in with people with lived experience with disabilities. 
Mm. who actually automatic doors like sorry but we're going to need certainly need to use that look at the technology for communication a lot of the innovation that business is going to need is already with people with a different lived experience of disability and thirdly more importantly we are going to have to reset our business systems and our societies so right now what we say to business no more excuses as we reset the system make sure that you're including 15 percent of that global population that you've left out but do you do you also sort of worry i suppose that we get a vaccine we live in a post-covid environment and a return to business as usual happens or do you think there will be no such thing as business as usual from here on in what i can tell you i don't know anything i think any of us are all just trying to guess in the dark aren't we but what i do know and what i do really feel very strongly about we've had isolation has been mainstreamed We've all had a collective feeling of having our freedom taken away from us. We all know somebody or connected to somebody who has the experience of COVID. My brother, I mean, my, I'm lucky my brother's here. He's 41 years old. He's incredibly fit and healthy. He's a nurse and he, he got it in the first few weeks. So and and he, got, he, he got very ill, didn't he? He got very ill with it. Very, very ill. Yeah, very ill. And you know what? It really shook us as a family. It wasn't my 70-year-old mom, my, my 74-year-old mom. It was my brother. So we've all had a sense of fear. So you're right. Maybe things could go back some way or go some way forward. But I tell you what, we don't. And connect, we can't unknow what we know. We can't unknow that business and society were willing to find solutions when they want to. Mm. And we can't unknow that when we collectively come together, we can find resolution and solution. And so if we go back to normal, I don't even know what that is. My ask, or I think we've become more confident, it's like no more excuses. You are no longer in the position, business or the world to leave out 15% of the population. And I think we have a dialed up voice and a more reasonable voice that has said the system can change. And if system can change, you can't forget that it can. No, um, no, no more excuses. I mean, that was the message um, I guess you took to Davos in, in 2019. It led to you creating the Valuable 500 as, as a group of, or the beginnings of a group of world leading companies that at least were talking about this. But in terms of how you move this from being talk into good action, in terms of that seize the day moment, what are, what are the leaders of these organizations thinking of right now in your experience as they're also going through, I guess, many of the same challenges that everyone around the planet is going to in terms of the danger of COVID-19, the danger to their organizations, but also, I suppose, how they start to think about the future. For starters, when we launched the Valuable 500 in 2019, as we said, it was to get 500 business leaders to have a leadership conversation and action around disability. By the time we got to Davos this year in 2020, we had 242 companies. As of Friday, we have 270. Now, just think about that. That's 30 companies that have joined since the end of January, of which most of that time has been in lockdown. I find that really interesting that companies are coming on board. And this is my feeling of it. So our intention was to build this community, this collective, collective massive impact, right? And the next stage of the Valuable 500 will be to activate this community, to use the power and the influence of these brands and leaders to really transform their systems internally in their organizations and externally. Isn't it really interesting that these companies are coming on every few days? And I'm talking really big brands. We're going to have a press announcement on the 21st. I'm talking brands that you would never even imagine. I believe they're coming on board because they know they have to change as our system is reset. 
they're seeing the value of 500 as a safe place and a community of peer-led leaders where they can share best practice and co-create together. And more importantly, they know the world will not tolerate them leaving out people. And they don't know what to do, maybe. Or if they do, they want to share it. And I think they just see that this is something they're going to have to do. And they see that actually the community of people with lived experience of disability have great innovations and insights to offer them around products and services and communication. And I think that's really important. For the first time ever, maybe, this community can be seen as a source of insight and innovation. Mm. I mean, obviously, a lot of the people that, that have got behind this campaign people like Paul Pullman, many of the, I guess, the architects and champions of the ideals of, of business as a force for good, and you, you've sort of widened that franchise. The question I would ask is that many economists are now tipping quite a, a severe um, recession, depression, who knows, um, ahead. Yep. In terms of what that does to the mindset of um, leaders sort of thinking about what they do in terms of what they spend. I mean, obviously you're, 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 you're signing up um, a, a fantastic group of companies there, but in terms of that future next steps, how do they stay brave in the face of financial and economic challenges in terms of making sure they continue to do the right thing for the long term? Listen, Mike, you've been, you've been working with businesses for good for, for, for so long that you know the critical point is about will and intention. And no excuses. Disability exclusion is costing our societies and our businesses money. You know, OECD countries say that it's costing them 7% exclusion. This is before the recession. Now, if you can't empower people to contribute, that costs, that costs our societies and it's costing business through the loss of opportunity. Now, what we're talking about when we're talking about business inclusion across the supply chain, it's not just about employment. It's about products and services. This market is worth a trillion. And the way I see it is it's not about doing something different. It's about integrating and operationalizing what you already do in your business. This excuse around disability costs money is being completely disproved by when we talk about accommodations for people with disability and we're talking about agility and flexibility in COVID. No more excuses. This is simply about building this into your system so the economic case is proven in terms of contribution, market, in terms of how you get ever wider buy-in of that. What's the next step, do you think, for your campaign? Well, first of all, as I said, it's now no longer a campaign. It really has become a movement. And it's a movement because the businesses, the 240 companies by Davos came back to us and said, okay, campaign, fine, but build us a roadmap. So this roadmap that we're building for them to move forward, understanding different cultures, different companies, different industries, different maturity, but they know they have to do it now. I think this is about risk, Michael. I mm. actually think this is about risk. This is future-proofing a brand. This is future-proofing a business. Forget next generation here for a second. Gen Z have absolutely no tolerance for this anymore. And like, you know, you have to be mindful as a leader is this world we're going into is very different. It has so, seen and witnessed isolation, will not accept it. Right, so, so businesses that don't get it risk being outcast. They, I mean, it's probably the riskiest yeah. thing they can do, do you think? I think so, and I don't think this is about disability anymore. I think this is, you see, for me, I talk about, look, difference is normal. That's what disability is, is difference. 
And I also believe, I don't know about anybody else, but I think difference is at the heart of great business and a great innovation. Now, disability is difference. It's that lived experience. It's that lived insight. You know, any smart, pioneering, visionary business leader, you know, even quietly should be going to this market, this community and saying, help. Because I actually think we're going to have inclusive communication is going to have to be a legal requirement. Because I don't think anymore it's going to be okay for any business or any government to actually put out any communication without, you know, captioning or audio description, because I think it's going to become a right. And a very reasonable right. I mean, you know, one of the things that yeah. I've heard you speak before, Caroline, and, and, you know, one of the things that I think is really moving is, is your own experience of this in terms of being legally blind, in terms of having kept that um, from your employers because you were worried about about what that might do to your own employment prospects. I mean, that must have felt terrible to be living with that. Yeah, well, listen, I, I often say, so I hid my disability um, for 11 years and got a job with Accenture as a management consultant. I just want to give you two stats that are terrifying to me. We did it with EY, and it's saying 7% of our global business leaders have a lived experience of disability, like I did, but four out of five of them are hiding it. Now, what's that saying to you, the level of comfort or where disability really engages with business? The second one that is also terrifying to me is that 90% of our companies claim they are passionate about inclusion, and yet 4% only consider disability. So can you just see where that sort of sense of disability and business and is resonating as innovative and powerful? And, you know, and I would say to you as a visually impaired person, we had to change the platform today to do this podcast because most of the, of the platforms, whether it's Zooms or Teams or whatever they are, are aren't actually accessible for people who are visually impaired. So I, I mean, and, I, and I'm here as a witness here because you know behind the scenes yeah. of this podcast we've had to we've had to really sort of work hard to get this to work f for us to do this podcast and and as you say but that's because you're understanding. I mean, you we've worked together a long time, so you get it. You didn't make me feel bad. You are instantly like, of course, let's do this. But that's not always the case. So could you imagine me applying for a job right now? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I'm trying to impress you, and I don't want to tell you I can't see also i have to say i can't see beyond two feet so i'm supposed to be keeping two meter distancing so am i a risk to anybody else when i walk out in the road and not know how many feet that i am or i am not mm. you know adhering to so there's lots of really interesting things that are happening right now that that are really bringing to the surface about how different we all are and how different and, and, are. and i suppose the other thing is is that at the heart of this is that it's a, a massive cultural change that you're alluding to. I mean, I'm sort of thinking about, you know, if you go back even a few months ago, the impatience of short-term returns, the need to get it right now, go fast, break things. I mean, I think you're, you're pointing towards a very different way of, of, of doing things, of perhaps looking at the future. And I, I wonder, though, whether, whether the vibe has come your way, because I think a lot of people don't want to go back to the way things were. I think we're playing the long game. I think the valuable 500 are playing the long game. And you know, for the, I'm going to sound emotional here now, but last week I was looking at the, the strategy for phase two when we're activating this community and I got scared. For the first time in a very, very long time, I got scared because I actually feel that we're, we're at the precipice of something really big around disability business inclusion and about the humanity of business. And what happens, Michael, if we get it wrong? 
You know, what happens if we get it wrong? Because this has been a pandemic that has caused huge pain. But actually, me as an entrepreneur, has I've really witnessed the greatest growth through pain and struggle. And if we don't use this pandemic to really find out how we're going to do this better, and I'm passionate about the humanity of business, because I really believe if, if business leaders behave with their heads and their hearts, we can have a triple line benefit for everyone. I'm scared because I can see it now for the first time in so long. I've been doing this for 20 years. I think the valuable 500 in this, with this transformative business system approach that everybody wins. What if we get it wrong? Because we rush. Let's play this long game. Let's build this in together. We may not like, we may not understand everybody's difference, but we do need to respect it. There isn't a hierarchy of inclusion or exclusion. We have to get rid of this scarcity model. We have to stop having identity politics and competing against each other. We have to work together. We have to. I mean, and if you were to put a call out to the, you know, I mean, you're halfway there in terms of that 500 community. In terms of what that group does next to further those foundations to make sure that you don't lose the opportunity. What, what are the next steps? What are the, what are the next actions? Truly, you know, everybody can be saying to me, but surely this is the hardest time of all. I don't, because I think through a crisis, our hearts get opened and our minds get opened. My question or my call out is to anybody who works with a business or as a business leader, we have 230 places left in this community. This community will work to be the game changer. I really believe this is a game changer. Mm. around disability inclusion about human inclusion but the most well, important thing i ask anybody is just would you keep an open mind we're, we're fast running out of time but i mean I, I do have to come back to the dangerous dreamer what, what does that say about you caroline i've learned a lot about myself in the last sort of eight weeks of lockdown I, you know i i'm known as gritty i i've i have i have a survived i have a very a very um interesting personal story that is not the TED talk that I did, but actually that has really underpinned and served me as being a resilient person. Um, I adapt fairly easily and quickly. I'll always find a solution. Um, I don't take no for an answer, but COVID has taught me something really interesting. I've been much more quiet and um, because I'm not running around the world campaigning, the one thing that I've always been taught is to listen to yourself. And I really am listening to myself. I've gone much more quiet. I've got much more into myself. And sometimes I feel like I should be speaking more out publicly, but actually I don't know what it is I really want to say mm. yet. And, and a lot of people I are saying that. Be quiet. Re reflecting and thinking. I mean, yeah. these, early, these early sort of stages though, in terms of what that inner voice is saying to you now, I mean, obviously we've heard, you know, optimism, we've heard fragility, we've heard hope. So finish that off for us. Um, I feel vulnerable about, okay, you know, I've been like, I've been a global activist. I feel like a house anarchist here at the moment. Can you imagine I've been, you know, I've been speaking from stages. I've been using my heart. I've been hugging people. I've been physically connected. And now I feel like a digital introvert. And have I lost my voice, Michael? Will I be relevant? Will I translate online? And that's a very vulnerable place to be in. My passion for this work is on fire, but my medium has changed. Am I going to be relevant? Will I be able to have the personal power I had before? I don't know. And rather than try and run out and fix it, I'm just trying to feel my way into this now. And maybe I will find that way. And maybe I have to change, or maybe it could be somebody different, but at least I will have laid the ground rules 
or the grounding for what I believe is this transformative change. And maybe it'll be working through a bigger tribe in the next generation. I don't know yet. I don't know. Is that okay to say? I just don't know. Well, I think that's not a bad place because unfortunately we have to end the interview. But I think lots of people are asking questions. Lots of people don't have the answers right now. And I think that for all change makers facing something like the COVID-19 crisis, of course, a lot of those certainties have been overturned. But I think we also heard from Caroline there an amazing message about seizing the day, making sure that this isn't just about words, it's about hope, it's about action. And perhaps most importantly, it's been a message about this, that these are uncertain times. And in uncertain times, it requires the very best of us. And that means a world where doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. Join me again for the next edition of The Changemakers.